Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word Upon your Word, God, we stand. In your name we call. And by faith, Lord, in our hearts, Lord, we speak the Word. In the name of Jesus Christ, reach down, Lord, and touch each one that's here. Meet each need that's represented in this place tonight. Give us uh, the things that we have need of. Uh, We open up our hearts, Lord, to you and our ears, God, to receive uh, the things, God, of you tonight. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Turn to somebody and shake their heads and tell them how much you appreciate them being here. Now, if you have bought flowers for Mother's Day and you need to pay for them, be sure and see Sister Rhonda Flaherty tonight and uh, take care of that. We want to honor our mothers this coming Mother's Day. Praise God. I honor our pastor who is uh, away tonight in Indianapolis for the graduation of the college there. And uh, I count it a privilege to be here to bring the lesson tonight. Our pastor has requested that, that I teach on a particular subject. Help of the Lord will try to do that. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to a passage of Scripture, John 14 and verse 6. We should have that on the screen here tonight. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. My subject title tonight is that we need to love the truth. We need to develop a genuine love for the Word of God. Amen. I'll endeavor with the help of the Lord to uh, enlarge upon this thought tonight. Now, the greatest commandment of all, of course, we know to be, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many really and truly love the Lord that much? Now, when you 
think of these components. It is a fact that that is all that we as a human being is made up of. There's no more components left. So we, we have got to love God with everything that we have. Everything that is within us. That is the first and great commandment. If you don't do that, there's no need to go any further. Everything that we do for God and everything that we believe and everything that we have received and applied to our life and the lifestyle that we live must be based on our love for God and His Word. I say tonight, if you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you are going to love the truth the same way. Amen. Because you cannot separate the truth from God. When Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, the governor, he said, everyone that is of truth heareth my words. Pilate replied to that statement that Jesus made and said, what is truth? From the pages of God's Word down through the centuries of time, I want to bring to you that question tonight for you to think about. Do you know the truth? What is truth? If someone asked you that question, what would you tell them? With the help of the Lord, we want to enlarge upon that thought. In order to love the truth, We've got to know what it is. How can you love something that you don't know about? The reason why so many people don't love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength is because they don't know who He is. Some of them think He's a third person or second person in a so-called man-made trinity. But I'm here to tell you He's the only person. Hallelujah. I serve one God manifested in one person. And that person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other flesh and bone and blood body beside Jesus Christ. That God Almighty has manifested himself in. And I might add as Lord and Savior. Praise God. And when Jesus died on the cross, the life went out of that flesh and blood and bone body that God had prepared by virgin birth. Bypassing the sinful seed of man 
God produced a perfect, sinless sacrifice for us. And he took our place on Calvary, hallelujah, and gave his life. That's why the blood of Jesus takes away our sins. Because the bloodline comes from the Father. He bypassed sinful man. And he became the Father. Praise God. But there's only one. One spirit. One body. One God. One man. One deity. One humanity. Praise God. If you try to make two or three persons up there, you get in a heap of trouble. The Trinitarian doctrine drawn up at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. declared that there is one God, which is true, but then they got off rail. They, they went off course. They said that this one God's manifested in three persons, separate, distinct persons, one person of the Father, one person of the Son, one person of the Holy Ghost, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. How can you have two? Supreme beings, or three persons that's co-equal, co-eternal, co-existence, and we know God is everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. How can you have three omnipresent gods everywhere? At the, they'd coincide. Common sense teaches there can not be but one supreme being. Hallelujah. Only one person omnipresent. Omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, hallelujah. Omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. Well, if there were three persons, two of them lost their power when Jesus was on this earth. Because he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And if, if, if the, the Son was a God, the flesh and blood body, separating a person from the Father and the Holy Ghost, then we got one God praying to another God. The God on the cross, which was Jesus Christ, the Son, praying to God the Father, which was really not His Father. The Holy Ghost was His Father. Because that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. And you got a person of the Holy Ghost separate from the person of the Father. We asked a Trinitarian about that. He said, well, the Father sent the Holy Ghost as an agent to produce the Son. Now, how many of you married couples would go for that? An agent to come in <laughs> to your marriage. That, that 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 uh, that's that will wind up being sin. Now God God will not require us to live a life that He didn't live Himself. Well, you get in a heap of trouble when you get into false doctrine. Thank God I believe the truth, and that's what we're here to establish here tonight and to prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I love it with all of my heart. Hallelujah. So, 
When Jesus prayed, oh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? One God forsook the other God, and, the other, and the, one of the two gods wound up dying. God can't die. Deity can't die. That's, that's another impossibility. But when you realize that God, the omnipresent God, everywhere at the same time, made himself a body by virgin birth, a sinless sacrifice for you and me. You got God, the Spirit, invisible Spirit, that no man has seen at any time, the Bible said. You can't see a Spirit. Only in the person of Jesus Christ has God manifested himself as a human being like us. So, in order for Jesus Christ to die on the cross and become that perfect sacrifice, God, the invisible spirit, father and creator of this universe, and also the same spirit that comes into us through the Holy Ghost, it's not a third person that we're receiving, but it is God himself. Joel said, Daddy, it shall come to pass afterwards, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So God had to withdraw himself from the body in order for the man, Christ Jesus, to die. You could have driven a 16-penny nail right through the heart of Jesus and he'd have lived on as long as God remained in him. Because there is a law that God set in force. Death by sin. Oh, the devil tried to get him to sin, but he failed. Jesus lived a sinless sacrifice. Without sin, the devil couldn't kill him. He laid down his life. He gave his life. So when God withdrew his spirit, then and only then could Jesus fulfill the human role of death. So Jesus Christ became Lord and Christ. I like the term Lord Jesus Christ. Lord indicates deity, God. Jesus is the saving name of God when he prepared himself a body. Christ is that flesh and blood body, image of God that became our sacrifice, that was slain, the lamb. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the truth. Thank you, Lord, for the price that you paid on Calvary. What is truth? The truth is divinely inspired. It is the Word of God, divinely inspired by God Himself. Bible's no ordinary book. It is the divine inspired word of God. Hallelujah. All scripture 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us. I say it's profitable for us. It's not a burden for us. It's not a yoke around our neck to, to weight us down. It's profitable for us. Hallelujah. All scriptures given by inspiration of God for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Hallelujah. Truth has no private interpretation. I've had people in Bible studies that I have taught from over the years tell me, said, well, that, that scripture may mean such and such to you, but to me, that scripture means this. And uh, I said, well, let's read that again. Now, uh, you, you understand English, don't you? Okay, I understand English. That, that's, that's our language. Now, God does not say one thing to one person and something else to another. He doesn't have double standards. I mean, what he says to me is what he says to you. He's no respect of pers persons. What he says to one, he says to all. God doesn't say one thing to me and something else to you. So there's no private interpretation of the Scripture. It means one and the same to, to all. In fact, the Scripture tells us that. 2 Peter 1, 20, 21. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but the, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Divine, inspired Word of God. Hallelujah. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Read it for yourself. There it is. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Now, what is the purpose for truth? What is the purpose for the Word of God? What, what is the purpose for this Bible that we have? I think it fulfills this. It deals with man's relationship with God. And also it gives us the plan of salvation. And thirdly, it gives us instructions for Christian living. Praise God. So, man's relationship with God is dealt with. And the Bible deals with good relationships and bad relationships. It's all there. And it has the plan of salvation for us to make it to heaven. And it tells us how to live for God if that's where we want to go. Of course, there's another home in eternity if we choose not to go to heaven. And Lord, have mercy if we go there. Now, we know the condition of the rich man when he wound up in the flames of fire. Oh, he cried out. And, and, 
an irony of the fact, evidently, he could see. From, from the lake of fire, he could see Lazarus up there in heaven, in Abraham's bosom. But there's a gulf between heaven and hell. It's sort of like these mirrors, you know, you can see one way and the other way you can't see. But we can't see people in hell when we get to heaven. And I don't know how that's going to work out, but the people that don't make it, they will be erased from our memory as if they never lived. Because there will be no tears in heaven. And if you had a loved one that didn't make it and you could remember, God, he's burning in hell, that wouldn't be a very pleasant thought, would it? It's kind of like Paul, we see through a glass darkly, but then we will know as even we are known. I know one thing, it's going to be a wonderful place. No more pain, no more sickness, no more death, hallelujah. Sin's final penalty will be conquered when we hear that trumpet sound. And this old mortal body is changed to an immortal body. And we rise out of that grave. If we're alive, we'll rise together with them to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Now Jesus, or James, uh, emphasized even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Now, let us not be satisfied just to stop with just a portion of truth. There's just something about truth. Once truth is established, it's always truth. Truth does not change from one generation to another. It does not change from one country to another. Culture, dress codes, governments, all oh, they change from time, but truth stays the same. Once truth is established as truth, it's always truth. You can count on that. You can depend on that. Amen. Now, let's look at the spirit of truth. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He will guide you into all truth. John 16, 13. Now, Jesus said, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've commanded to you. The Holy Ghost will always lead you to the truth. It will never lead you contrary to the truth. It will always be in agreement with the truth. I've had people tell me, oh, the Lord spoke to me. I heard from God. Is it in agreement with the Word? 
not going to tell you to do something that's contrary to the Word of God. Now, the Bible says, try the spirits. See if they be of God. How do you try the spirits? Simply by the Word of God. You check it out. And if you can find a scripture that does not agree with what you feel like you've heard from God, then, then you've heard from the wrong spirit. It's as simple as that. Now, how to know truth from error. There, there is a simple scripture that tells us in the Bible how to know truth from error or false doctrine. Now, <clears throat> if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received... Let him be accursed. Now, Paul made that statement. So, what did Paul preach? John revealed, we, the apostles, are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. All right. Here's your clincher. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. In other words, if somebody preaches something different from what the apostles preached, they are in error. But if they preach what the apostles preached, amen, they are of truth. That's how you can tell, and the Bible tells us that. Amen. Now, the absence of truth. What if the person preaches just part of the truth? They don't add anything to it. But they do take some things out. <laughs> and they don't preach all the truth. Well, a half-truth is a half-lie. And a half-lie is a lie. All liars, half-liars and all liars, and 10% liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't want to wind up in the lake of fire. My Lord. Mark said, He that believeth shall be saved. Mark 16. Is, is that what he said? Oh, I left something out. I didn't add anything to it. I just, I just, I just missed part of it. So, if I let it go like that, I would be a deceiver. I'd be a liar. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Woo, glory to God. Amen. We've got to be careful to preach the truth and nothing but the truth. 
and all the truth. Now, if you are sworn on jury duty, that, that, I guess they still do that. Do you affirm or swear to tell the truth, all the truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. It's so important that we know all the truth, not just part of the truth. Now, truth cannot be separated from God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that term in John 1 and 1, the term Word, comes from the Greek word logos, which means thought, concept, or plan. All right, let's just substitute the word plan. In the beginning was the plan. The plan was with God, and God <laughs> was the plan. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. And verse 14 of John 1 says, And the Word, which was the plan, was made flesh and dwelt among us. So God got in that fleshly body, hallelujah, and provided sacrifice for you and me. Hallelujah. And when he did that, he revealed the saving name, Jesus, which means been translated from the Hebrew, Jehovah Salvation. In the Old Testament, God was known by many names, many Jehovah names, Je Jehovah Rahab, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Shalom, and, and so on. And, and you just... Uh, you know, if you, if you needed a particular thing in your life, all of a sudden maybe somebody's after you or you're being attacked, you had to, you, you had to remember all those names. Uh, but by the time you thought of one, it's too late. Oh, so I'm going to make it a lot easier. <laughs> Hallelujah. The old prophet of old Zachariah said, In that day shall there be one Lord. That's the day of salvation. And his name one. And so when Jesus was revealed, he wrapped all of his names up in that one name. There's healing in that name. There's protection in that name. There's salvation in that name. Hallelujah. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all in him. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the truth. Now, this, this is going to hurt for people that's not ready to meet God. The truth is our final authority. When John saw the white throne judgment at the end of time, men begin to stand before God at the white throne judgment to, to be judged by God Himself and by what's written in these books. Sixty, the, the Bible said. The books were open. Revelations 20, beginning at verse 12. The books were open, plural. That's the 66 books of the Bible. And every man was judged 
how do those things that were written in the books And another book was open, which is the book of life. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Knowing this much, the authority and the power that the Word of God has over us. When we come to the end of our life and step into eternity, don't you think we need to find out what it says? Don't you think we need to get a knowledge of truth? No. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now let me, let me give you the key to understanding truth. This this has done something for me like nothing else has ever done. I got this early in my life as I began my ministry. And it, it really made a, a difference in the way I preached. The key to understanding the truth is found in Isaiah 28.10. And precept must be upon precept line and it repeats itself precept upon precept and then it goes on to line upon line and it repeats that line upon line and then it ends up on here a little and there a little you might say well what, what does that mean that means if you want to know the truth if you really want to understand truth, God's Word, you get all of the Scriptures that deal with any given subject, whatever subject you're studying. In some books, there's, there's a lot of Scriptures that deal with a subject. And then other books, there's not very much, here a little and there a little. But you get line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And also that, that scripture lets me know that one scripture cannot be used to strike down another scripture. It's line upon line. In other words, all of the word of God, all of the scriptures agree together when properly applied. Praise God. Now the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can I hear an amen? Now, let me give you an example of an improper application of two scriptures. The Bible says that Judas went out and hanged himself. Well, I went over and I found another scripture that says, Go thou and do likewise. No. <laughs> Rightly dividing the word of truth. <laughs> 
Those scriptures do not, they're not talking about the same subject. You got to put scriptures on the same subject together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'll give you some applications of properly aligning the scriptures, line upon line, precept upon precept. Now, what is the most important subject in the Bible? Will it be salvation? The salvation of our soul. Hallelujah. Well, we know, according to the Word of God, in Ephesians 2, 8, that we're saved by grace. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So we establish the fact that grace is essential to salvation. But grace alone will not save you. Because God has extended His grace to every human being upon the face of this earth. And everybody's not going to be saved. Well, is the Bible wrong? No. That's not all the truth. Man, if, if, we, could, if we could get all the truth, that well, these 66 books of the Bible condensed down to one verse, boy, we'd be doing something, wouldn't we? We can't do that. The Bible is a thick book made up of 66 books of the Bible. There's a lot of truth. There's a lot in here. Praise God. So, as we look at that scripture again, so many people overlook another word that followed grace. By grace... By grace are you saved. Well, we don't stop there. It says through faith. So, it takes faith to activate the work of grace in our life. Grace is God's step toward us. Faith is our step toward God. So grace cannot do anything for us until we believe. So we establish the fact that faith is essential to salvation. So now we've got precept upon precept. We've got grace essential to salvation, and we've got faith essential to salvation because it takes faith to activate the work of grace. Do we stop there? Is there, is there any more scriptures that pertain to salvation? Well, I already gave you one while ago in Mark. Great commission according to Mark. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's definitely a scripture of salvation. So we establish the fact that baptism is now essential to salvation. 
while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, Peter tells us. Whereunto the like figure now, water baptism doth also now save us. Oh, all we got to do now is get baptized in water. We don't need the grace of God. We don't need faith. Huh? You got to understand truth now. Once truth is established, it cannot be destroyed. So, water baptism does not do away with faith. A lot of people accuse us because we believe water baptism is essential salvation. We need to, you know, that we don't. We're not saved by faith. No, it, it doesn't destroy faith. It builds too. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. So now we got grace. I don't know if she got that diagram working or not, but you can put that diagram up anytime. You, if you got it, okay. Praise the Lord. All right. So all right now, we got Grace. Grace is the basis through which salvation has been provided for us. That's from God. All right, and then our faith activates the work of grace. Amen. So now, once we believe God, then naturally we're going to be convicted of our sins. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That means we're lost if we don't repent. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, when a crowd asked him, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name. What? Why Jesus? Because that is the saving name of Jesus Christ. And who was it that shed his blood on Calvary for the remission of our sins? Jesus. Hallelujah. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Hallelujah. So now we establish the fact that repentance is essential to salvation. And water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, also essential to salvation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And it must be applied in the name of Jesus Christ because that's what the apostles preached. And if we don't preach what the apostles preached, we're in error. That's how we know the spirit of truth from error. It's what the apostles preached. Amen. Praise God. So we establish these, these facts. Grace is essential to salvation. Faith is essential to salvation. Repentance is essential to salvation. Water baptism is essential to salvation. Like pieces of a puzzle, they just fit together to make one plan of salvation. Now what's left? Okay. <clears throat> we have received the grace of God. The, the grace starts to work in, 
It starts to work in us through our faith as we make contact with God. Hallelujah. And that brings us to repentance. We get convicted of our sins. We go to an altar. We cry out to God, forgive me, Lord, of my sins. And we really and truly repent. We go to the water baptism and we wash away those sins in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is being applied to our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in baptism, we're buried. In repentance, we're crucified. We crucify the old sinful nature, and then we take him to the watery grave, and we bury No life. There's no life. We had a Bible study with the past, with pastor's wife of one of the uh, denominal churches. I almost called the name, but we don't we don't personate any church. We don't have to put, the truth doesn't have to put down any, any other church. It stands on its own. Praise God. And they believed in baptism, essential salvation, but they, they, they wouldn't go on to receive the Holy Ghost. I said, well, you're still in the grave. You're still dead. No wonder there's no life in the church. You need to come out of that. You need to come out of that grave, that watery grave, and receive the Holy Ghost. Get, get some resurrecting power. Yeah. Hallelujah. If the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, then he shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's the only thing that's going to get you out of the grave when Jesus sounds that trumpet. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost, you, you're going to stay here while the church goes. Amen. Because when the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, the dead in Christ. To get in Christ, you've got to have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. There's not a third person. It is the Almighty God coming into you, that same Spirit that was in Jesus Christ. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. So, John 7, 38 and 39. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Not might, not maybe, not perhaps, but should. This is a positive, definite statement. How many believers here tonight? Hallelujah. If you are a true believer, you should receive the Holy Ghost. Just like they did on the day of Pentecost. The 120, the first believers were in that upper room. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, when the question was asked, what shall we do? Peter said more than repent. 
In Acts 2.38, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he wasn't through then. He didn't stop there. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In verse 39, For the promises are to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. Praise God. Romans 8 9, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you don't die in Christ, when the rapture takes place, you're not coming out of that grave. You're going to stay there. And there's going to be another resurrection, but dear God, I've already told, already told you about that. That's at the white throne judgment when the books are going to be open. If I understand the scripture right, everyone that stood at that white throne judgment was lost. We're already gone. The church is already in heaven when the white throne judgment comes. Oh, God. Now you know the truth. But there's one more. That's not quite all. Once we are born again of the water and of the Spirit, and I've got to bring that scripture to you, what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 5, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Here's the water. And the Spirit is receiving the Holy Ghost. Just like Acts 2.38. Acts 2, 1 through 4. Amen. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, it's none of his. So, <clears throat> we got to live it. It's not, not just enough to receive it, be born again and get baptized and get the Holy Ghost. We've got to live it. I've seen so many people come in, get baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost. They, oh, they're shouting, but they, they don't last. They're gone. There's probably more backsliders. Here, right here in this town of Hartzell than there are in this church. If all the backsliders would come back home, we'd have to build a bigger auditorium. I believe there's a spiritual awakening coming. Every morning when I pray, I pray for the backsliders to wake up. I pray for God to give them dreams at night. I pray that they will have dreams of when they first got the Holy Ghost, how much joy they had and how wonderful it was. And... and and help them to realize that uh, compared to the way they're living now. Yeah. Praise God. That's, you see, that's, that's what brought the prodigal home, prodigal son home. He got down in that hog pen and it got, <laughs> he was having such a hard time. And all of a sudden he remembered how good it was back home. God, help the backsliders to remember how good it was when they was in the church. On fire for God, full of the Holy Ghost, shouting the victory. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God. But why don't they stay? I'll tell you why. And that's the title of my message. They never developed a love for the truth. It's not enough to know the truth. 
You got to obey it. And it's not enough to obey it. Because so many of these backsliders, the backsliders, they did. They, they, they obeyed it. But we got to develop a love for the truth. We got we to develop a love. We got to live it out. Amen. We got to love godly living, holiness of lifestyle. Now, the grace of God that bringeth salvation. The grace of God. If you got that diagram, put it back up there again if you can. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We got to live out our salvation. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Now I've brought all these scriptures that deal with salvation. And Hebrews tells us, follow peace with all men. And what? Holiness, which no man shall see the Lord. If you want to see God, you got to live it out. You got to live a holy life. Now think it not strange that a holy God has provided salvation through His grace. And we come in contact by faith with this holy God. And we follow the plan that He's laid out for us uh, of the new birth of water and the Spirit. Uh, amen. And we allow this grace that has brought us salvation to teach us and to guide us uh, into all truth and, and to... Uh, to keep us from this whole world of ungodliness and wickedness and sin. Keep us separated from sin and dedicated to God. Hallelujah. We allow God to do this in our life. A holy God. Amen. And we as a mortal being coming in contact with this holy God and receiving a holy ghost experience. Think it not strange that we should live a holy life. This holy God that filled us with his Holy Spirit living in us is going to produce a holy lifestyle in our life. Amen. Shall we stand? And this is what we got to love. Not do it out of obedience only. But out of love. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hearts to him right now. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the price you paid on Calvary. We thank you, Lord, for your shed blood that takes away our sins. 
We thank you, Lord, with your stripes that we are healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, God, that you would do such a thing, God. We could never, we were lost, we were doomed, without hope, with no Savior. But Lord God, in your love and your mercy, you provided a sacrifice for us. You gave us your best, Lord. Hallelujah. You revealed the name that is above every name. Hallelujah. You placed your Holy Spirit within us. Praise God. And you're preparing a place, the holy city, for us to go to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus God, for Lord, for this opportunity. Hallelujah. We thank you for the revelation of truth. We thank you for the knowledge, God, of your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we give our love and appreciation, Lord Jesus, to you. And with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we serve you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Trust you've been blessed here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah.